Welcome back to Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Now, before the break, we were chatting to Caroline Lennon about the new Salesforce office, which just officially opened in Dublin earlier this week. Salesforce Tower on the Silicon Docks in Dublin. And I'm now in another beautiful tech HQ in Leopardstown in Dublin. Uh, I'm at the MasterCard office in Leopardstown. This is an important part of the wider MasterCard operation, as we're going to hear. Uh, But I've been chatting to a number of the executives from the company over the last few hours about the innovation that's going on in the wider financial sector, but then obviously enough here at MasterCard too. And I've just walked out from having a chat that I'm going to bring you now with Ken Moore, who is the Chief Innovation Officer at MasterCard. I think he may well have the best gig at the company. Uh, But here's my conversation with him where we talk about payments in the metaverse, innovation, safety and fraud. And I started by asking him to tell me a little bit about what his day to day function within the company looks like. I think sometimes maybe to start, I think the name MasterCard is actually somewhat misleading um, because the word card appears. And, and and that was very much been a part of our past and something we're immensely proud of and will continue to be a part of our future. But it only it's it's somewhat limiting if you were to look at our company today and just think cards. We have a range of businesses that span identity, data, services, cyber, and we indeed we have payment rails that go way beyond cards uh, into ACH. Fast ACH, blockchain, open banking, data networks. So I think when you think about my role, um, that's a that's a lot of things to play with, right? And what am I at my heart? I'm a futurist, uh, grounded in kind of technology and. Uh, changes in end customer, end consumer behavior. And I use those lenses to kind of predict where I think both the world of commerce and the world of payments is going. And in predicting that, I also then have to build the products and services that are going to help both MasterCard and perhaps more importantly, our partners win in the future, given where we think the world is going. So that's a big part of my role. There's a few other parts, Jess, but that's probably the part that uh, every day gets me out of bed with a bounce in my step. Yeah, which is awesome. Uh, Being a futurist and into technology and seeing the potential in the technology is amazing. But how much does the end user, the end consumer play on your mind in terms of we could do this amazing thing, but it's useless if people won't use it or if they don't understand it. Is that a seesaw that you sort of try and balance in your head or do you leave that to somebody else? No, no, we completely we completely look at that. I mean, it's actually so central because the economics of our business are actually built on usage, not not sale. So if we put stuff out into the world and it isn't used, we don't we don't get paid. So the the end consumer is is central to everything we think about. We have a customer insights group underneath my teams that that looks at both obvious behavioral changes that we can see today, but also changes that we could anticipate, things that consumers mightn't be able to articulate to us today, but things that we expect to happen out over the next five or six years. And those are kind of foresights, if you like, um, for where we think consumer behaviors will go. Also, the way we build products and services are ultimately, because we're B to B to C or B to B to small B, right? Um, So we never directly interface with the consumer, but the brands that we do provide technology to mostly are consumer facing, are facing off into small and medium sized enterprises. Those brands rely on us 
to anticipate what consumers are going to want so that they can construct the experiences that are going to scale. So we put huge amounts of effort into understanding through research, focus groups, CX and design teams, a customer experience and design teams into the problems that we're solving for consumers how broad those problems are, what consumers do before they use our solutions, what they do after our solutions, how they feel when they're using our solutions. We put all of that into the kind of, you know, the recipe or the, the baking tray for the products and services that we create. And then even as we bring them to market, every step along the way, we are constantly testing, iterating, right from Dublin here with consumers right around the world. Yeah, and it's class that's happening here in Dublin. And we heard earlier in the show that this is an important cog in the whole MasterCard uh, machine, which is brilliant. The To continue with the seesaw analogy, with innovation comes opportunity, but also comes threat. Yeah. And we've seen a huge amount of threats creep out of the cracks from all corners of the internet and day-to-day life when it comes to finance and um, financial information. Do you have to try and preempt what the bad guys are going to do? Or do you go, oh, sugar, they caught on to us. Now we have to try and get ahead again. Or what way does that work? Yeah, that's a great question because people are really excited by the new opportunities that technology creates for them tomorrow, right? Whether that's in their professional or their personal lives. But they're also increasingly aware. I mean, how many of us, uh, who hasn't gotten a some sort of an attempted cyber at- a- a- attack on our phone or an SMS that's misleading? Um, I mean, according to my SMS messages on my phone, I have accounts with a whole bunch of people that I never knew I had accounts with at all. So I think we're increasingly aware of the kind of multi-factored threats that are out there. So. The answer to your question is we tend to be very principled in what we do. We try to look a little bit deeper into technologies rather because we're very aware that our brand stands for certain things in the world. Safety, security, trust, regulatory adherence, consumer in control. And therefore, even though we lean into these technologies, we find them just as intoxicating and interesting as the next company does. We're very aware that we have to marry the technology with our brand promise, the safety, security, trust, consumer control. And therefore, we take a little bit of time to kind of make sure that as we deploy these technologies, we do it in the right way. And and you can see that from us in everything that we've done, our approach to cryptocurrencies, um, our approach to CBDCs, our approach to AI, our approach to blockchain, our approach to tokenization, mm-hmm. our approach to open banking. There's always a set of principles which we publish which we adhere to, and we think that's the right way to marry it. Now, on the other side of it, we're also increasingly aware that we play a role within the ecosystem more broadly. And and on the one hand, we're creating these new experiences, but on the other hand, we're also creating a set of services and cyber tools that protect our partners from some of the the threats and the attacks that we know that are out there. So things like CypherTrace, um, you know, many of the acquisitions that we've made over the last while have all been bolstering, um, largely using AI, the, the kind of way that we can protect customer, our customers, the, the middle bees, the banks, the fintechs, the governments, the telcos, um, and the end consumer from some of these threat, uh, some of these threats. So it's one hand excited about the opportunity, principled approach, 
take a little bit of time to get it right so that we protect from the downsides and also recognize that there's opportunities for us to help our customers protect themselves from the downsides as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are still getting to grips with the notion of 2FA, so the two-factor authentication mm-hmm. or multi-factor authentication. Is there innovation in this space around making the verification and the authentication a bit less painful for the consumer? Because I know it's not the most you know taxing thing in the world, but every day someone in the news talk office tuts out loud because they have to wait for an authentication uh, authentication code. And it's those little sort of grooves in your day that can irritate the customer. Yeah. Are, are there other ways that we can you know get around those types of things or is that just uh, notional thinking? It, it's always a balance, right? Because um, it's a balance between wanting a frictionless experience on the one hand, but also wanting to know that what we're doing is safe and secure on the other hand. And it's about striking the right balance, which tends to represent itself as friction, whether that's a second factor authentication or the need to put in a password. Of course, there are other technologies that allow us to do it. And we try to deploy the most useful technologies in the appropriate scenario, cognizant of the regulations that exist in individual markets. Some examples of other technologies that we use, passive biometrics. So you're you're familiar with active biometrics, your iris, your retinal scan, your fingerprint. You have to consciously do something. Passive biometrics are how you hold your phone, how quickly you type a password in. We're constantly using them in the bas- in the ba- in the background to say, is this really Jess? Is that the is that how quickly she types that sentence? Does she do does she swipe in that particular pattern on her phone? Those are passive biometrics. You're not aware of them, mm-hmm. but they're working to provide safety and security for you behind the scenes. Similar to artificial intelligence, the decision intelligence example we showed downstairs. That's working in the back. Background. Consumers don't know, but yet we're pulling information, providing it to our banking partners to help them make a more effective decision on whether to allow a particular payment transaction or not. In the future, as you start to look to UWB, so N- NFC today, you've probably got to be, I know this doesn't translate well, very close to the actual sensor to make a contactless payment. UWB extends that up to 200 meters. Right? So you could be in an arena, a, uh, the Aviva Stadium, a sports arena. You could be in a, in a restaurant and without ever having to approach the merchant point of sale, you could be able to do a contactless payment. As we start to build experiences like that, that do benefit consumers and some people will want to do them, we have to figure out the right level of friction mm-hmm. to put into that so that consumers are safe, but just as importantly, feel safe. Because some people will feel, oh my God, my card number is traveling 200 meters across the room here, mm-hmm. right? Which isn't true, but but that's how, that's how we kind of build these things. It's looking at the right level of friction. And even when friction is obvious, there's also stuff that's happening behind the scenes like passive biometrics and AI, et cetera, that are also there to protect them. So we've many tools. Mm-hmm. It's just the right balance between friction and protection, visible protection. Yeah, and for the people who taught about putting in a code, they're also the ones who probably shout the loudest if something goes wrong with their details. And that leads me to another personal question. You know, I said at the top, you've got the best job. You sound like you've got the best job. But you're kind of the unsung hero and your teams are kind of the unsung hero because nobody really 
fully ever gets to see the work you guys do. We get to experience it, but nobody goes, oh yeah, that was Mick who sits on the third floor who did that because we don't need to know that because it all just happens so seamlessly. Is that a point of frustration or are you happy when no one's looking for you because it means it's all working? <laughs> I mean, as MasterCard, um, certainly we are happy. Um, we, we are happy when we are behind the scenes and things are just working. That's a promise from us, right? We promise that our network is there. So that's something that I think we're happy with when it just works seamlessly. For me and for my teams, I mean, we do try to spend a lot of time out there. You opened up with a question around kind of MasterCard and, and what it is, and, and I talked about how people misunderstand what we are. So, so we are visible, my teams and I are visible because we spend a lot of time talking to people out in the market, to our customers, to our partners, to you know news and, and other uh, media outlets and other stakeholders to kind of educate them a little bit on just how broad MasterCard is. Mm -hmm. Why? It's not so that we feel good about ourselves. It's so that partners out there that aren't necessarily working with us today know that they can reach out to us for products and services and advice on some of the challenges that, that they are kind of grappling with. Mm -hmm. From an Ireland perspective, I think we're really on the radar for, for MasterCard globally. We have somewhere between 13 and 1400 people on the site here. We're, we'll get up to about 2200. So we've got another 800 to go. Mm -hmm. And you've seen the other building right across the road that we haven't populated yet, but is ours. So we will grow into that. And at that point in time, MasterCard itself is about 2000, about, uh, sorry, 30,000 people. So when you're a, you know, circa 2000 person organization in a 30,000 person company, you're very much on the radar. So I think within MasterCard, we're very well um, appreciated, very well understood. And Ireland is very certainly on the uh, on the radar. My last question very briefly is the metaverse or whatever it's going to be called is coming down the tracks. Are you guys already working on what payments look like in whatever that will be? Yes, we are. You're right. I mean, I, I, I am bullish about the metaverse. The strap line I use is the metaverse is coming, but not soon, mm -hmm. right? And, and the reason that I, I, I say that is there was a little bit of a hype cycle around the metaverse and offline I can tell you some very funny stories around that. Um, but the... Uh, the technology isn't there, whether that's the hardware, the, you know, the, the sets and the visors that we wear, whether it's the computing power or whether it's the environments in which the metaverse will, will exist, or even the, the connectivity, because mm -hmm. it would require 6G, not 5G, to step into some of these metaverse worlds is about six years away. So the metaverse is coming, but not soon. Now, we'll see it sooner in gaming and a few places like that, but already we're in the metaverse mm -hmm. in MasterCard. We've been bringing some of our digital assets, our artists, our musicians, um, some of the content creators. We've stepped into Decentraland, Roboblox. Um, we've built um, banks with some of the banks that want to test out the, the kind of metaverse. We've built branches in there for them. For them. We've built um, uh, online retail stores. We've conducted commerce in the metaverse. Why? Because we do think it's coming and we try to lean into these technologies so that we help them arrive in the right way. That was Ken Moore, the Chief Innovation Officer at MasterCard. Now, when we come back here on News Talk, we're going to ask if facial recognition within Garda body cams is a good idea or a bad idea.